Hey guys, and welcome back to the Same Shit Different Day podcast. I'm your host, Sacramento, and today we have a show about dogs. So if you have a dog or if you know someone that has a dog um, and they want to learn more about their fluffy little friend, you know, share this podcast with them. Um, We had a great time making it and we hope you guys all enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Just an introduction on yourself and, you know, who you are. My name is Beatrice DeLima and I am an animal trainer and caretaker. Um, I've been taking care of animals basically my whole life and I'm really excited to start uh, my profession and uh, open up a business for dog boarding. I also want to do animals like cats, maybe even some reptiles. Awesome. A lot of and a lot of great things coming for you in the future and hopefully I can help out with that as well. Um, but let's just get into it. But uh, what are some personal accomplishments that you have with dogs? Well, um, you know, the reason why I've been so passionate about animals, I've worked a lot with animals and it is something that I just absolutely love. We have three animals now. Um, each one of them, we didn't really mean to get, um, two showed up out of nowhere. One I brought with all her kittens and it just happened to be that we kept them. But, um, I would say they are absolutely amazing. I can tell because of what people say, I'm constantly getting complimented. I mean, we're constantly getting complimented. People asking us if we're dog trainers and stuff like that. It's just very rewarding because of the time and the effort that we've put into them. And you can really see it because they're so well-rounded. They're so smart. They're complete opposites of each other. They have their own personalities, yet they are just so loving and so caring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I love them. <laughs> to be honest, I love dogs too. Yeah, and, and who doesn't really? They're fuzzy little furballs. And they're always just there to be there with you. Um, But uh, with all that passion and all that love, you know, have you ever had an experience that, you know, just didn't go your way? Um, Have you had any dogs bite you in any, you know, aggressive, anything like that? Oh, yes. 100%. I've had my fair share of animal encounters and usually I've been fast enough to dodge them. I am rather petite. And so it (laughs) takes, you know, I whoop de wop and it takes them a little bit more to try to get me. But um, I just recently, uh, just the past year, in a long time, got bit by a dog. And Mm -hmm. it was a a nice, just one puncture wound from that nice big old canine. But um, it was definitely profusely bleeding. And I had chunks coming out of me. So it was great. Yeah, dog bites are pretty serious. But in in all that, how do you maintain to stay calm because you know a dog just bit you you're you're bleeding how do you still connect with that animal and 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 help them well it's because i love animals you know it's something that i don't i wasn't mad at the dog at the time it was you know barking aggressively to another dog that was nearby it Mm -hmm. and me um being in between again trying to get him away leashing him up things like that just some displaced anger and he got right on my leg and so um it wasn't anger that I felt you know I wanted to get the dog out of the situation Mm -hmm. I was you know ready to go that adrenaline gets in your body and you don't really feel it 
So I just took him all the way back to his room, you know, put him up and I went to the bathroom and that's when I realized I was bleeding. And I think keeping calm is what really helped. Right. And that's, that's crazy. Cause like y- you would think getting bit makes you go into a, a mindset that you're scared. And I think that's what dogs expect when you bite them, because that's their sign of like, I'm, I'm big, you know, don't, don't mess with me. And so when they bit you and you stayed calm, you know, that dog was probably like, holy crap, like I can't mess with this person that, and you asserted that, you know, alpha state of mentality there. So that's, that's amazing. But, um, I would definitely say that, um, for a lot of people, especially people who are afraid of dogs, you know, it is hard, you know, like me, because I'm just experienced, you know, I didn't scream. I didn't hit the dog. I didn't, you know, try to continue on with that aggression with um, anger. You know, they can pick up on that very easily and they can hear it in your voice. And so if they start to think that you're a threat, they will, you know, turn on you. It's very true. Mm -hmm. But I have to look back at, you know, it's personal experience, years and years of experience of just having to go through it and just knowing that Calm and patience is just the best way to go about it. Right. And I just recalled, actually, um, I don't know if you remember when we were walking to your parents' house and those people had their dogs in their their garage. Mm -hmm. The whole time we kept the calm state versus they were going crazy because their dogs were running towards us Mm -hmm. and they were yelling at their dogs. They were hitting their dogs versus us and, and our dogs. We kept that whole... Because they were looking towards us mm-hmm. on, hey, what the hell is going on? You know, there's these dogs running up on us, but we were telling them that we're good. We're, we're, we got you. And you 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 did step up in that moment because uh, one of the dogs was going to go after ours yes, and, and bite I, ours. Dog. He actually did bite uh, Bo. He bit him right in the butt. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the third time that he had come up because for the, the life of them, they could not hold their dogs down again. Mm-hmm. We're talking about two Great Danes, and it it looked like a mutt. And then, like, yeah, fairly large, a larger dog. They were having a hard time. Again, uh, no recall training. Um, They were off leash. They didn't have collars on. So it made it quite difficult to see even grab them. And the third time that he had uh, let the dog go, that's when he came up. And at this point, because he was being shaken and his owner was hitting him, he was already very frustrated. And so displaced anger, he went to Bo and he bit him in the butt. And that's when I immediately, I just grabbed him by the scruff and picked him up really quick. And I was very firm with my no. I do have a rather a deep voice right. when I say no. I want to make sure that it's very clear and, uh, you know, not that female voices are bad. But they tend to be softer. And so you really want to have something that's going to be deep in the base. Right. Because that's what they recognize as growling and it helps out. And so in that moment, we were able to basically stop it, contain it. Um, they, They took their dogs inside. But yeah, it was a rather scary experience, you know, seeing a dog that's bigger than me and two of them come up with a third one and we're just sitting here for like sitting ducks. Yeah, no, if, if, and what you said there too, it's every dog was a puppy and every single time that puppy got in trouble, the mom would come and do a deep growl and a deep bark. And if that dog would still not listen, you know, it would grab it by the scruff of the neck and put it away in timeout. That's just how dogs work. 
and you know it, it was a crazy situation but you know thankfully all the dogs were okay um you know people mm -hmm. just need to understand their dogs and their behaviors before they run up on other dogs um yeah 100 um things could have been a lot different especially absolutely. if there was like hooting and hollering all that stuff going on because that does raise up that tension level and that could have made the situation worse and keeping calm and moving on because the best method they, they were consistently saying something to the dogs hey 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 stop 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 mm -hmm. to the dog the That's people are barking, barking. Yeah. they are barking at mm -hmm. us and they're they continue to bark as well and they thought they were engaging so they got to realize when you tell your dog to do something say it once and say it in a meaningful tone but um we'll continue more on to that in, in, in other questions um but um let's go on to how did you train to learn about these dog behaviors and pick up on their cues um well a lot of it had to do with school i was in a great program i was a gti granite technical institute that they offered at um, west lake and they also offered it at granger high school and basically it was the school district building you go in there and they offered you all different kinds of classes there was like aviation dentistry you can make chapstick there and i just have so happened to uh, sign up for animal science and vet assistance one mm -hmm. and two and it was really nice. Uh, once or twice a week, we got to go out to the farm and we actually took care of some animals. Um, my uncle had some huskies and they did um, Alaska Malamute races. They raised a lot of huskies, constantly had three or five in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Animal Planet, watching <laughs> Animal Planet. Yeah, um, I might get a lot of hate for it, but, you know, like I 100% Caesar Milan. I understand his teachings and his methods. There's some things that I disagree with. There's things that I do differently. Of course, everyone all, has you know, yeah. everyone has an opinion. Exactly. Everyone's everyone's gonna have an opinion. My mm -hmm. dad always says opinions are like elbows. Everyone's got one. And so um obviously some people do things differently and you can pick and choose. That's how you make your own method. That's how you get what you feel is best. And so right. Um, I've taken some things from him and some things from my uncle and how different it was with huskies. Huskies are wolves, you know, very wild. They're the closest related, no? Um, 100%, I would say so. I'm not chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you get a different sense of a dog, a, a dog that's very dominant. It's very uh, headstrong, very stubborn. And so you start to learn different methods and you really start to understand the primal side of the dog and being able to give them a job because essentially it's what they need. It's yes. they, they love it. They're, they're very much working dogs. You give them a purpose. It's a, it's like a person. You give them a purpose and mm -hmm. you will see the best in them. Absolutely. And I, you can see that in the movies and, um, <laughs> but um, what have you learned about uh, dogs and eating behaviors? Eating behaviors, uh, very important. It is a very big staple. It's a very big foundation, I should say, of how the dog is going to be. You want to make sure that with everything, you do have to teach your dog. You know, if you want mm -hmm. your dog to be a certain way, they're not going to 
and just know they you have to put the time and the effort into teaching them what it is that you want and how they can get what they want mm-hmm. essentially and so eating um making sure that your dog is you know on a good diet you don't want things that are going to be like fast food to dogs every day right that's going to that's not going to help them out nutritionally and you're just going to get a lot of health problems from there and they're not going to be satisfied in the sense of their food. That's mm-hmm. why they, you know, some dogs just always just want to eat, want to eat, want to eat, want to eat. Mm-hmm. The food that they have is just not filling. So starting out with a good diet, talk to your vet about that, make some personal choices, but having them eat it, have it be, you know, a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely throwing an activity before they eat is the best. Right. Making them work out, mm-hmm. you know, feel like they earned a good mm-hmm. a good meal. Yeah. You know? Just like with humans, you know, we are animals and um long ago we would have to hunt for our food and after we got it, we everybody sat down and ate it and it's the same thing with dogs. That's right. gonna make them feel more satisfied and it's gonna make them feel like again that activity had purpose mm-hmm. and it fulfills them. It's a good enrichment, not just feeding them physically but feeding them mentally right really helps out and so like puzzles snuffle mats um you can do slow feeders you can do a little game before one of those is finding the hidden food put them in a room it's like hide and seek send them out he goes find the food and we'll do this probably five ten times and by the end of it he's smiling from from cheek to cheek panting and he's ready to go we feed him (laughs) He goes to sleep. Yeah, because one people don't understand that you don't have to go run outside with your dog for them to get stimulation. You know, doing these, oh, go and search for this scent is is stimulating for a dog. And it's and it's basically what you know drug sniffing dogs do. They 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 you give them something to smell, they find it, they get a treat, they feel, you know, fulfillment, satisfied. Yes. That's and, the word. and and that's what they love, you know, and both. I never thought that he would be such a great sniffer, but you know, he, you, you hear him, he activates that sniffer and he yeah. just finds it and mm-hmm. he's, he's just locked on maybe five times. And can't he's get done. that boy to focus any other time. No. Uh-uh. Comes to digging and sniffing. He's there though. He's always there for it. And that's the thing, you know, um, they, they want to do things just like we want to do things, you know, mm-hmm. think about how much time you really do spend into interacting with your dog, how much time is spent doing something that's physical and in doing something that just they like, right? Because exercise, everybody's got to exercise, right? Hobbies are a little bit different. You got to find out your dogs or your cats. Cats have hobbies. They do. Figure out what they like. And so you can actually interact with them and that makes them feel fulfilled. Absolutely. And then, you know, two things that I think go hand in hand, um, you know, eating and leash training um, is always a good thing. So what are some things that you've learned about walking and leash training? So leash training is uh, really fun. It's obviously one of the biggest um, complaints that people have about their dogs. Mm -hmm. Their dogs are always pulling them. You know, they go take their dog for a walk and it turns into a run. And (laughs) it's learning about, um, or I guess more teaching about the leash pressure. Right. Now, to us, we just understand, we know, you know, 
the leash is to have them by our side and this is what we use to walk the dog. But what the dog doesn't know is why they're tied to something. And so you have to get them to understand that, hey, this tie isn't just attached to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just pull on you constantly. It's our communication between how fast I want you to walk beside me. That's wow. Mostly people just see it as this is so you can't get away from me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they, again, they place it on the dog and Sometimes you have an instant reaction where you get that dog that turns around, bites on the lead and starts spinning around. They don't <laughs> like it. It's it's true. They don't like it, you know? So you have to get them to understand like, hey, this isn't a big deal. This is going to be on you. You stay by my side. The only time you're going to feel any pressure is when you do something you're not supposed to or, you know, walking too fast, going ahead. You're not supposed to. Chasing after a squirrel. You're not supposed to. And so... Having to teach that leash pressure and saying, when you are calm, when you are relaxed, I am calm and I am relaxed and you don't feel this pressure. But when you do something bad, I'm using this lead to communicate with you and you do a quick little tug. You want something that's going to be a nice pop. You're not looking to choke out the dog. You're just looking to get that attention as fast as possible. You don't want to be sweet about it. You're not getting their attention nicely. That lead is strict communication of, hey, you need to stay here by my side. Right. And when they come back, and this is part of recall, if they get too far ahead of you and you pop that leash, they're supposed to turn around, look at you and ask you, hey, what do you want me to do? And you give them a notion, hand or a verbal command and saying, come back to my side. No, absolutely. And um, one thing that actually, I, I got a little bit of too too much ahead of myself here. Um, there's another question I wanted to ask you. And it did deal a little bit with the, the, the eating. Um, and this is more about the people that personally know us and have seen us feed our animals. And they always ask us, how did we teach them to, to all three, you know, both dogs and a cat to sit down count down and then click to eat like how people are always astonished by that like amazed so what what are some tips and tricks i mean not to get there but to help that you know again um i'm a big believer of patience you're gonna hear me say it a couple of times on it but um it was kind of fortunate for us because the cat Khaleesi learned from the boys. Right, she kind of just observed. Yes, like, this monkey is how see, mealtime monkey works. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, it took you know, it, it was a long process, and it's the thing that you have to do consistently, just every single time, is making sure that their focus is on you and that they're patient. You want to make sure that you're rewarding calm behavior. Mm-hmm. You're not re- giving into that excitement. It's fine to be excited every now and then, you know, when we come home, if you want some excitement, yeah, be excited, but we don't have to go crazy every single time we're going to eat. We don't have to Mm -hmm. spin around, drop a bunch of things, make a mess and have that happen because then it's only going to continuously happen. We want to set the expectation that when we have the food and we're making it for you guys, you guys are calm, you guys are patient. Sometimes they whine and they cry, but they're not barking at us. They're not up in our face, trying to get the food right away. They're respecting our space and they're basically going into their boundary, which for our dogs is their bed. Lots of people have their bed, Mm -hmm. some crates, whatever it is. 
but having them wait there, have the food, and you can start by when you're placing the food down, you want to have them in a sit. And every time that they move while you are still moving, your hand is still on the bowl, they have to stay in a seat. If they get up from it, you essentially bring everything back up. Right. Reset. Mm -hmm. Reset. And so you'll have to just reset, reset, reset in the first couple of times. And it's going to make you feel a little bit crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, again, the patience comes in because they are going to understand, hey, I'm looking at this food. I'm so hungry. Why won't she give me my food? Why does she always pull it up every time that I get up? Maybe if I just stay seated, I can get my food. Mm -hmm. And it will eventually click and they'll understand, okay, when it's time to eat, I have to sit. And you're going to start seeing them just automatically calming themselves down and putting themselves in a sit. And this is where we have to come back to the situation that we had. We, when we were telling our docs to do something, it's one word. We weren't telling them multiple words, like the, the people who were, whose dogs were running up, who were yelling, stop, 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 come back. No, same thing when you're feeding them, you know, when you want them to go sit down because you're in control of that situation. One thing mm-hmm. that you've taught me is that when you have the food, you're actually in control. If if they're not listening, food's gone. Mm-hmm. You got to feed a calm mind. And that's one thing that I learned too, is that a lot of people feed excited minds. The dog's following them around the kitchen. They're feeding, you know, getting their food ready. And they've been excited this whole time watching it, just moving around, mm-hmm. you know? And then they're getting ready to set the food down and this dog is still ready to go. You know, he hasn't been in that calm mindset. So that's, that's something that I think is, is, is very crucial. Like you're saying, you mm-hmm. have to feed a calm mind versus an excited mind. Yeah. And you're going to get a uh, much faster results when you practice that patience and you put the dog or the cat in a state of calm. Mm-hmm. They're going to, be able to focus. If you're bouncing up and down, going crazy, you're not really thinking about what's happening. Your mind's all over the place. When you get that dog to kind of sit, some sometimes you don't even need to sit. If you just have a, like a lie down or at least um, where you can see that they have literally backed up away from you mm-hmm. and they've created an, a, a boundary line that they don't cross now because they're just waiting on you. That's also, again, a wait. Waiting patiently is waiting patiently and rewarding that saying, thank you for focusing on me and what I was saying to you, which Mm -hmm. was just to sit or just to wait. And you'll see that when you do set that food down too, because that excitement isn't carried over, they're not going to inhale their food. And again, that's where you can get the majority of the health problems And it does help to do things like hand feeding if you have a dog that really just eats really fast. But again, like slow feeders and uh, food puzzles are just one of those ways that you can have the dog um, learn how to calm themselves down and still have enrichment. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard you say this word a couple of times, and I wanted to to ask you this. Do do dogs understand understand boundaries? Like, uh, for example, like entering a friend or a relative's house? Yes, 100%. Um, All of the animal kingdom understands boundaries. They all know that there is a certain limit that they can travel to 
before it is somebody else's space. And with somebody else's space comes different rules and expectations. Some, you know, just don't allow anybody else. But as humans, when we are walking from space to space, we even have that. We know that, okay, now that we're inside of this building, we're not going to yell. But Mm -hmm. as soon as we get outside, we can run or we can do this or we can do that, whatever. But we know that there's certain expectations in certain areas. And so you have to teach your dog where those boundaries are. But in the wild, they are very well set and known because um, the dangers of not understanding boundaries in the wild can ultimately lead to, you know, like getting mauled, a bear cave. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like they understand And so you have to be that person to teach them. And that, that kind of goes with like the leash training Mm -hmm. and them understanding the area that they're supposed to be in, as well as doors. They understand when a door opens, they can see a a new portal. You know what I mean? So they understand that there's something on the other side. If you can calm your dog in the small space that you have, it's not wise to place them in a larger space where they can go crazy. Yeah. And and dogs really pick up on noises. Like for, I remember we were, uh, when we first got them, we would play the Xbox and the, the turning off sound <laughs> to them was a signal. Oh, let's go outside. Yeah. We're going to mm-hmm. go outside and, and yes. you know, you know, do our thing, pee, whatever. And they pick up on those things, you know doorknobs doorbells mm-hmm. um they they hear that getting their leash their collar yeah. th- that that triggers something into them that they're either excited or, or in a curiosity state mm-hmm. um how, how does someone help that that goes into um more obedience training and that has to do um it's a little bit harder um where you begin to teach like from puppy stage and whatnot you are probably not going to get something really good of a dog never barking or just remaining really calm on their bed until they're much older and they've actually had that experience. Right. It's it's, it's, a, it's a first time thing. For yes. Them. Yeah. It's harder. I mean, definitely. Yes. You want to expose that to them as puppies. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start from your training. But you want to get the basics down. And one of the basics is making sure that they understand their commands, which sometimes does take a while, Mm -hmm. but making sure that they understand their commands and what is expected of them, because sometimes they don't connect two different things. If you tell them to sit and stay and you walk away from them, oh, super easy. Mm -hmm. But if there's a squirrel nearby, Mm -hmm. is that squirrel going to be able to get their attention? Definitely. Are they going to act on impulse? Probably. And so you're basically having to go against their nature. And so you want to make sure that the foundation is there. And so teaching a dog to leave the door alone when there's stimulation there is a little bit harder, but definitely something that you can do. And you want to make sure that it is going to take forever, but it's about patience on putting them back in their bed or their crate, wherever their place is, every time they get up from it and Mm -hmm. not opening the door. And so obviously if you have a, like a, neighbor and they're actually needing to come into the house or whatever it's probably not going to be the best time to practice right and so that's where you want to completely separate them and put them in the crate and then as you get the opportunity and you can get some people to volunteer because you got to be patient it might take 20 30 minutes before the person even gets in the house right 
you're gonna have to go through it really and 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 honestly for, for myself i i had dogs growing up where my family one didn't care for them or two when we were walking it, it was horrible walking they were walking me i wasn't walking them and it was always hard for me to say no to a dog because you know they're so adorable <laughs> but then me from a third party perspective viewing how you as a dog trainer and 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 caesar milan and all these videos that i've seen over the years how you guys train these dogs is that you know what you're going to do first and you set them up for success. You're not setting the dog up for failure because these dogs are confidence dogs. They go mm -hmm. off of confidence and, and, and rewards. So if you're putting them in a situation where you know, they're not going to do the best and you're setting, you're, you're, you're setting their expectations too high. Of course they're going to fail. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to start off small. And, and, yes. and what I see too is, the going back on that one word you know a lot of people when they're starting the training sit 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 or mm -hmm. come here come here it's it's the the tone in your voice what i've what i'm learning you know as we're going is is you really got to instill those things and just be patient you know mm -hmm. and season milan most of his elapsed you know times with dogs three five minutes and yeah. people like think that when they first get there with a the dog and they're scared of that dog they think Oh, this is going to take me hours. But in reality, he kept calm. You kept calm and still stayed with that one word. And the dog, usually people just back away. But if like, if it just takes that, they just, you know, give up and it's amazing. But, you know. Yeah, I would definitely say that um, just seeing on a lot of just complaints, what people are saying, hey, I want my dog to do this or I want them to stop doing this all those kinds of things. Um, I always ask, you know, like, well, what are some of the things that you're doing right now? And out of the goodness of people, you know, some people, they got a good understanding and some people don't really know where to start. And it's good for you to ask those questions and to figure out what you're going to do the first time around so you can remain consistent. Mm -hmm. So again, the dog learns the word, understands what you're asking of them. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to repeat yourself. Yeah. It's that you're, you're clear and you're concise. You're saying, this is what I want. And that's it mm -hmm. until you get there. We're just going to stare at each other. Be because honestly, like what, what's, what's worse, someone running after the dog yelling, stop, stop, stop. Or one person just really loudly saying, stop, sit. And the dog listens, mm -hmm. you know, that, that I think people really need to take that into account. Um, I do think a lot of people, and I, that goes with like me as well, you know, like I don't want to sit here and be like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, especially in public. Yes. Especially in public. It's one of the things, you know, like I said, I make my voice a little bit deeper and I really hit it. Like I have a feminine voice and mm -hmm. not even that feminine too. But if you have, you know, a little bit of a higher pitch voice, things like that, dogs do hear that as whining. And so, Sometimes it just bugs them and they don't respect that. And so having the bass and the voice that sounds um, they can relate more to like a growl yeah, helps out with them being able to decipher that that is a no action. Right. Instead of like you can take your dog and you can pet them. And you can say, hey, you little piece of shit, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and they're going to be super happy. They're yes. going to love you. They don't yes. understand because, again, your voice is high. It's happy. And, but you can also say like. 
I love you. And they'll be like, whoa, what the hell? Right. But right. you're good meaning, right? And it's all in the the pitch, the tone, and the bass in your voice. Mm-hmm. And so. And yeah. energy as well. Yes. The energy, because mm-hmm. they feel that. Yes. Honestly, they feel your energy. You have to be confident. Yes. Um, cats are a two for flinching. I always say that to people. <laughs> and dogs, um, they're kind of like a little bit in the half. They will try to punk you. And if you back up or if you, again, if you don't have that confidence to dominate the situation, so to speak, they're going to run all over you. Mm-hmm. They're going to take it. Yeah. And so having that message be, <clears throat> excuse me, having that message be as clear as possible. I gave you one command word. This is what the command word means. You know what that means. What the dog should know what that means. And you don't have to say it again. And that's where you use that leash pressure and you can use different tools. Um, I'm not against um, shock collars. I do think that they need to be uh, used very, very, very respectfully. Certain breeds of dogs uh, with certain jobs, working dogs, I can 100% see that. Um, For a family dog, I don't think so. Um, You need a little bit, you need a lot more education and training so you don't traumatize your dog, first of all. Absolutely. And then create a, a horrible bond where they do not trust you. Yeah. That's going to... Well, you only... said it's it's a bond of trust that mm-hmm. you're building with an animal. Yes, 100%. And a lot of people think, um, oh, if I, you know, if I, I have to yell at my dog, I have to hit my dog. And there's times that I 100% understand people lose their patience. You know what I mean? But if you are resorting to that, and that is your only form of discipline. The only thing that you're going to teach your dog is how to get hit, how to become stronger and not uh, hurt as much from those hits, mm-hmm. as well as running away from you to avoid getting hit. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to find you're going to get a lot more frustrated. You're running around the house trying to grab your dog, things like that. And it just feels into that energy. It's very negative. It's not gonna help anybody right my i mean my father he was not the best with dogs i mean and and that's what i grew up with i i I saw my dog my my dad occasionally kick the dog or hit the dog whenever he was doing something that he didn't want and there was never that respect he was always scared of my dad and and my dad thought you know oh he respects me and things like that but there was no never interactions between them two and you know it's, it's, it's just sad to see those situations and then how you taught me how you discipline a dog. And it still shows you love every single day. You know, it's 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 a beautiful thing to see, honestly. And it's, it's amazing, you know. Um, and I always show so much gratitude for you changing my view in that because it, it, it did take a lot of time. I'm not going to lie. From how you showed me how it really means to care for a dog. And then I had to reset myself in a different mindset to look at how this animal communicates with me because they communicate every single day with us, the smallest things, whether it's just staring at us. (laughs) And you think that's annoying, you know, like, what what do you want? You're just staring at me. He's clearly saying that I either need to go poop, eat, (laughs) or, hey, I really want some loves from you right now. Exactly. And most of the time, Bo is always loves. Bo loves hugs. We got those buttons and he will press hug about three times in a row before he even says he's hungry Mm -hmm. just so he can get pet. And Colt loves to play and he just wants to play, 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 play all the time. Absolutely. And so it's funny having the buttons. We can actually now see it 
hear it more, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And we know that's what they want at that moment. And obviously we gave them that form of communication so they know to go to it. And it's still fairly new to them as well. But you have those owners that don't quite understand what their dog is communicating. And so the dog can become frustrated and it's best to keep things consistent. And that's how you kind of establish yourself as an alpha. We use that word before mm-hmm. and we, we know some alphas in the world and what they think it means to be an alpha, <laughs> yeah. but an alpha yeah. is, and has always been a provider. Yes. The alpha is the one that they trust to provide for them, to provide food, water, shelter, safety. They trust in them. And so when the alpha wants something of them, it's always, again, respectfully, but the alpha asks, asks something of them and their contribution is how they're ranked as the, mm-hmm. the hierarchy right. in the pack. And so an alpha, again, is a provider. And to be a provider, the dog, your animal has to trust you. Uh They have to trust that you're going to feed them on time. (laughs) Feed them when they're hungry, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're going to have water out for them all the time, that you're going to be there to take them out when they need to go out Mm -hmm. and that you're going to spend time with them, Mm -hmm. you know, enrichment, bonding time. That's how that's how you connect with your dog is being able to provide these things for them. And even more so uh, again, that enrichment mental stimulation, not just physical, but having them really think about things uh, free form is a great way to get your dogs to kind of learn some new stuff just through curiosity and it helps them expand and it really helps them focus and try to connect with you. So they have a want to communicate with you. Yeah. They have a want to please you because they know that there's rewards that come with it, whether it be food, treats, or love. It's love. Petting is a very big reward for dogs. Yes. One that people uh, don't see anymore. And a lot of dogs, um, it's like both ends, right? Completely neglected, just left outside in the yard. And, oh, that's the dog's life. You know, he protects the yard. He's a guard dog. He likes it out there by himself. Mm-hmm. And then complete opposite where you coddle your dog and they, you can't even talk to somebody else because they will try to attack yeah. the person that's, that you're trying to touch, talk to, or whatever it may be because they want your attention so much. Wow. Yeah. And so you have to be that balance for your dog. Mm-hmm. You are teaching your dog. You want your dog to act a certain way. They're not going to know how to act that way until you teach them. Mm-hmm. And so everything that you want from your dog, you can teach. Mm-hmm. It's just, it takes a lot of time and patience. And obviously if you don't have the experience, the knowledge, um, the tools to communicate that it is frustrating. And I can see where, again, lots of people lose their patience and they choose not to work with the dog, but you can get really nasty consequences with ignoring your dog's signals. And then you, you get those people too, that, that choose to, to, to still, I guess, help the dog in a way and say, Hey, you know, can you train my dog, please? And then, but then they also choose not to like, you know, interact with the training. They just say, you know, you do the training and I'll pay you whatever. And, and honestly, it's not like that. You, 
have to be willing to learn as well. Because if you didn't teach me, I would still be giving the same situations my dad was giving to my dogs when I, I, you know, when we had family dogs. Yeah. If I didn't choose to change, then they would never learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people have to learn that it's it's never just the dog who's the problem. It, you have to look in the environment and, and the situations, you know, and, and, and really look into it. If you, you are part of that issue, help change it. Because if not, you're going to have the same situation with the dog, right? Yes. And it's it's hard. And it's really hard to have conversations with owners where they don't feel like they're at fault. And I 100% agree that there's things that you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And so sometimes you are doing something that you think is okay that is no big deal. And you think even something like uh, cute uh, puppies eating his food, he finishes his food, runs over to the next uh, bowl, finishes that one, runs over to the next one before he, you know, it, he's gone through every single bowl and he's almost eating all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's cute because you see all the other puppies kind of, you know, frantically trying to eat their food before he comes to eat it all. Some puppies will whine or some puppies try to cover their bowl. Sometimes they get into little scuffles. And the first time it happens, it's cute. I would definitely say so. But that's where you need the training. Right. Because then you're going to have this puppy's only seven pounds right now. What, it, what What's going to happen when this dog is 70 pounds? Right. And this dog is towering over you. Yeah, no, it's it's a common misconception. That a lot of people, you know, oh, it's they're seven pounds now. I'll fix it later. And a lot of people think, oh, this is just because they're a puppy. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they're going to outgrow. But I don't know. I think of animals as humans. You know what I mean? You got to teach children. You got to teach animals. Absolutely. And, and a, a lot of things that dogs have is either they're too fast with eating or they're food aggressive. And, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, how do you, how do you fight that? I guess, or, or help that you don't want to use fight. You want to use, you know, you want to yes. help them in these situations. So with food aggression, it is very different than um, training uh, or retraining out of aggression. Food aggression is resource guarding. Resource guarding is obviously things that they want food, water, shelter, safety. It can be toys. It can be treats. It can be space, a bed, a blanket, anything really. And what that is saying is that unfortunately your dog doesn't trust you. He doesn't feel like you can safely take care of his possessions because as an alpha, again, you are a provider. And so if you are only taking from your dog, they're not going to trust you. And if you take without replacing, they're not going to like you. You're going to damage that bond between you and your dog. And so that's where they'll start to do some resource guarding. And people are like, oh, but my dog loves me. And it's true. Your dog loves you, but he doesn't trust you. (laughs) It's just a little bit different. It is hard to explain, but it is different. And it's because they think that every time that you come in contact with them, that you take something from them. And that's what's frustrating to them. And so when you try to take it next time, they are going to put up a fight. And so with food aggression, it usually has to do with inconsistency and it can stem from anywhere. Um, it's Sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint, but you can see signs of it when they're puppies. If they are growling at their bowl, especially if it's like the water bowl, 
you need to get that in check. You need to make sure that you're training them to understand that that is something that they share and they have to be in a calm, respectful state of mind to get food. And so once you get that food aggression, it's going to be really hard work. There are several things that you can do when they're a puppy you want to work with them every day and making sure that you can feed them from your hand. You can give them treats. If they're chewing on a bone, you swap it out. You take that bone, give them another one. And then that way they will understand every time you take something, you give. Once they get into the food aggression side where they do not want to share at all and they're biting at your hand, you want to, again, crate training is amazing. It doesn't just have, it's not just a place to put your pet. It's their room. It's where they feel safe. It's their den. You want them to feel comfortable and you don't bother them in their room. Mm -hmm. They go to their room, they get left alone. Yeah. And that way they will actually like going to their room because they're left alone there. They can do whatever they want there. They can sit down, they can relax. They have their phone in there. They can have their toy in there, whatever it is. But the crate also provides a kind of like a security shield because now you have something in between you and your dog. If you have food holders in your crate, that's even better because that way you don't even have to reach inside to grab the bowl. And that is, again, a safety precaution. And you want to start with the hungry dog. They they are going to have a lot more drive and a lot more focus on you because you have the food. And you want to start with a little bit of food at a time, whatever their full servings worth is for that meal time. You're just going to do it in increments, little by little by little. Every time they finish out their bowl, you add a little bit more. And you continue to do that until they're done eating. And then you can start adding treats. And you want to toss the treats in and then generally get closer and closer and closer. Again, you want that safety of the crate there. So then if you get too close to their food bowl and they try to lunge at you, you're safe. But the goal is to get closer to the point that you can touch the bowl and remove the bowl out, and then give them a treat. So instead of them um, going for the bowl that's full of food, they'll go for the treat that you've given them, and then they'll wait for you to put their bowl back. And once you get to that point where you're trading food, where, okay, you have a little bit here, but let me give you this. Now you got your bone, you finished up your bone, let me give you your food back. Then you go, um, and you can go ahead and try hand feeding, where they understand that every time that your hand comes up to them, they get food. Mm-hmm. You want to have a hungry dog, of course, and you want to make sure that you go through the steps as calmly as possible. If you're not feeling comfortable in a certain aspect, continue on with it. You don't want to pr- progress to the next step because that can frustrate them. And then again, hand feeding, you can get your hand bit. And so you want to make sure that we're as you kind of said before, setting them up for success. Mm-hmm. We're giving him easy tasks that we know is manageable. That is not pushing them out of their comfort zone. Because yeah. again, we're trying to build <clears throat> trust. We can't push them. They are pushing us. And so we have to be able to step back and give them the space, respect their boundary. Mm-hmm. And in that way, once we do that consistently, we can ask a little bit more because we give a little bit more. And there's that understanding that as you take, you give. There is no just take. It's a take and give and it's balanced. And so they respect it. And uh, ultimately, you know, getting them to just understand that, hey, when it's time to eat, 
Um, they can take my bowl. I will get more food in it. I don't have to worry about not getting my food back. I get my things back and they always give me something in return. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to get rid of that food aggression, building that bond and that trust in your dog. And it's going to take a long time because again, that food aggression came from a bond that was broken. Yeah. It's, it's, they're they're pretty serious cases, mm -hmm. you know, they shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah. This is, it's the main reason why many dogs get put down. In fact, um, where I work at right now, pet suites, we had a really great German shepherd um, mix. His name was Mitch. Mm -hmm. And he was absolutely beautiful, such a sweet dog, loved to play. He had so much personality and he was just so amazing. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you would go to feed him, there was always issues. He would love you and he would never even try to bite you any other time. But once that food cart came around, you could see a different side of him. He was resource guarding and yeah. he wanted that food. And he was never going to give it up again. And so unfortunately, he did get put down. And it's one oh, of the wow. reasons that many, many animals get put down. And it all just is a sense of, uh, again, unfortunately, something that happened as a puppy that wasn't corrected well and uh, just uh, escalated beyond yeah. control. People people gave up on him, to be honest. And that's, that's sad to see because it's they're misunderstood as much as they try to communicate with us. Some people just don't understand what, you know, you saw something different. You saw a dog that was affected, you know, some people would just see that that's, that's a dog that needs to be put down. And that's, that's sad. You know, you really got to have patience with these animals because no one has had patience with them, you know, and that's, that's yeah. the sad thing. Yeah. And, you know, being in the volunteer side of it, doing a lot of volunteer work in shelters. Um, I was in Utah really bad case of rabies just left and right and i just remembered they were telling us about the euthanizations and we got to step in on a couple and they did about 30 in the day mm -hmm. and it was just again it's it sucks because it's a lot of great dogs you see dogs that just look perfectly fine but they're sick mm -hmm. and it kind of brings me to my next thing that you know taking care of a dog taking care of an animal it is a lot of work. It is something that, you know, any owner should really research on what pet they want, whether it be a cat, a bird, if they want a lizard, a guinea pig, whatever it is, just learning as much as they can about their pet, mm -hmm. keeping their pet healthy. So then they have a longer time to spend with their pet, but also keeping their pet happy, mm -hmm. knowing what's going to really help you bond. So you have these moments with your animal. It's not just an animal that you have in your house, but it's an animal that you come home. They know what time you come home. And so they're already waiting for you at the door. They're excited for you to get home so you can pet them, so you can cuddle with them. They want to spend time with you. They're curious. They're involved in the things that you do. And so mm -hmm. definitely doing that research, finding out, what animal it, you want and uh, going into again breed specific which animal is going to fit your lifestyle right it's really um do you feel like that's where most families go wrong when choosing their puppies yes that's what i was going to say it's they really, just go off of wow that's a beautiful dog yes yeah and it's it's hard because again we see puppies and puppies kittens babies they're super cute of course we want we want them they're adorable they're innocent, you know, they, we forgive them for anything and everything because of how cute they are. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, these are babies Yes. and they grow up. Yes. They, 
<laughs> they get very, very different. You they know, have personalities. From, yes, yeah. 100% they have personalities and they have hobbies. That's what yeah. I was saying. You know, they have likes and dislikes. And that's where you have to work to communicate with your pet. And it helps doing that research and finding out what you're the breed specific, like for instance, um, a Cocker Spaniel. I don't necessarily love Cocker Spaniels, but every Cocker Spaniel that I've ever met is super easygoing, loves to cuddle, loves attention, and is just a lap dog, just wants to sleep on your lap all day. And it's a great dog to have, you know, um, not saying it's the old lady dog, but it's definitely a dog that somebody who likes to lounge more is going to enjoy Mm -hmm. because they're not going to be bothered by that dog going onto their lap. If that's something that's going to bother you, you probably are not a lap dog person. Yeah. And so again, um, Huskies, you know, uh, is one of my favorite topics, uh, Siberian Huskies and Malamutes. They are absolutely gorgeous. And I got to say, I hate seeing them in Texas. I hate seeing them in Texas. <laughs> it's and, a hot take, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes, definitely. I know I'm going to have a lot of angry people, uh, but don't have that dog in Texas. <laughs> like, what do I say? No, I mean, um, respectfully. Respect, yeah. Think about um, what you'll have to do to provide for your dog. Again, it's going to be very hot. And so you want to make sure that your dog is in... Um, air-conditioned building or area, whatever, mm-hmm. because um, they can very, very easily overheat. In oh, fact, yes. those um, are sad things to overseas. Like, yes. Those are really sad. One of the horrible things is um, once we get into those peak, uh, like, temperatures where it's really, really hot or really, really, really cold, unfortunately, that's where you get a lot, a lot, just, it's very sad. You can see animal control left and right. And it's because they're picking up dead animals Mm -hmm. from the street, strays, and sometimes even, you know, owner dogs, dogs that are just in their backyard that can't get shade. You know, again, Texas is very hot, global warming, and it's only going to get a little bit worse. And it's, it's important for you to know, hey, you know, like, this is where I live. This dog isn't really acclimated to this climate this is what I can provide for him for him to cool down. Now that's perfectly fine, but not being able to provide that and put the time and the effort to accommodate your animal is really going to stress them out. And you're going to see a lot of health concerns, a lot of behavioral concerns with it. And I guess you could say aggressive because they're bothered all day, you know? Yeah. They 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 want to cool down, and then when you just want to do things with them, you they'll they'll just like you know want to be on their own mm-hmm. to cool off. Yeah, they don't they don't feel good when you don't feel good. You want to be left alone, and you want something that's going to make you feel better. All the husky wants is the pile of ice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, that goes in, again important factor of um, just making sure that you're making the accommodations yeah. for your dog. If you're gonna get a dog that's gonna have some special requirements like a cat like a sphinx cat got to put sunscreen on it and so make sure you put sunscreen on it otherwise it's going to break out in a rash you're going to be taking it to the vet every other month because it's going to completely scab up and peel and look horrible get infected and you you know sometimes as a new owner especially if it's a new breed that you've ever dealt with you're going to kind of learn as you go and you'll have some people that got some tips and tricks for you But sometimes you do have to go through that experience to just know about it. But it is definitely best to do that research so you can prevent um, expensive 
vet bills. Yeah. That's really what's going to save you the most. But figuring out a dog that fits your lifestyle so then you can actually bond with it. Mm-hmm. If your dog um, is a homebody and you're outside 90% of the time going camping, uh, going on hikes, going on trails, probably, you know, that's fine if Toto wants to stay home. But once you get home, what are you doing for Toto? Mm-hmm. And then again, that's that accommodation kind of going into it. And so having a dog that fits your lifestyle, you're active, you have an active dog, you're more mellow, you have a more mellow dog. Um, you do see those owners that look like their dogs and <laughs> just like they look like them, they also act like them. You know, they're very similar in personalities and that's where you can see that, oh, they match their pets so well. They, they're they so good together because they're very similar. And a lot of the times your pet does take after your personality. If he chooses you as your person, you're going to see a lot of similarities between you and your own pet. And again, that's part of the bonding experience with them wanting to please you, wanting to be like you. Mm -hmm. And it'll help out because then you have a dog that, again, is interested in you. You're interested in your dog. You guys can bond together. You guys can spend time together. And you guys still have uh, boundaries that you guys respect. Obviously, you're not with your pet the entire time. And so learning about which dog is going to be good if you're gone for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. If you like taking vacation trips, lots of people like cats for that. But there's dogs that are equally going to be as mellow and calming, relaxing, just like there's going to be dogs that are going to be just as um, crazy, rambunctious and energetic. So, so why do you think, um, you know, what all dogs have to be walked. Why do you think you see mostly all these dogs being pulled by their owners? What, what, why is, what's so common here? Again, it goes into that leash pressure. And so, um, when you do get, you know, like a puppy, it's great to start out with a puppy. You definitely want to do some research so you're not making those common mistakes. So you can, again, get right to it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the learning curve. You can actually have something in place. And so it's good to educate yourself a little bit and anything that you put yourself into. I think, it, you know, there's so much information out there. You can Google anything right on your hand. And so if you have a question about something, if you're unsure about something, do a little bit of that research to get a more, (laughs) do a little bit of that research to get a more definitive answer so you can put a plan into place that you can practice and then again, be consistent in. And again, patience, consistency, hand in hand, you need them to, to work out. Yeah. And one of the things with, again, being pulled on the leash is that leash pressure, them not understanding that when there is pressure on their neck like that, that they shouldn't be pulling against it. They've been desensitized to it. And so that's why they pull even harder against it. Mm -hmm. They're not understanding that that is meaning to stop. And so you have to train your dog to understand what that leash pressure is. And it goes with, you can do um, figure eights, So walking your dog in a figure eight and going back and forth and back and forth. Every time that you're turning, you can do a quick little tug just so they know what direction you're going. And you can also practice walking forward, having them walk a a few steps more, and then walking backwards and calling them to come back to you while tugging on the leash. And when they come back to you, you release that pressure. 
if a dog is in a stop position where they're just a little bit stiff, they're not really moving, having that leash being pulled, using that recall, as soon as they come to you, that pressure is released. Mm -hmm. And they're going to understand, okay, the leash doesn't have to be grabbing me the entire time. I don't have to constantly feel this pressure on my neck. This pressure is when I go too far. This -hmm. pressure is when I do something wrong. But every other time, I'm just walking with a necklace on. And I'm walking side by side with my owner. And um, something that I just recently um, kind of figured out, I mean, I kind of did it, but feeding your dog or giving them the treat um, while you're walking, you need to have something, a ball, it could be a toy, treats, food. You do need something that's going to be the reward. If you're wanting to reward for walking next to you, it's important where you place your hand as well. Mm -hmm. Do you want your dog to stop in front of you or do you want them to stop beside you? Right. If you want them to stop beside you, your hand shouldn't go forward. Your hand should go right beside them where they should be. So they have easy access to the treat and they can eat it comfortably without moving from the spot. And so having that hand really low, right by your hip, whichever side you like to put your dog on, again, um, also helps being consistent, choosing a side for them. Great help when you have multiple dogs, like Bo only walks on my left side. Oh, wait, on my Bo only walks on my right side. Colt only walks on my left side. So then that way we don't have to worry about the leash tangling up. I don't have to worry about looking down at them because I can see them. They're in the correct spot. And they're waiting for their treat there because it's what I've done the entire time. Yeah, dogs are smart. They they, they understand consistency. Mm-hmm. So when you're ready to reward, they're going to get ready in their spot, which is yeah. right next they to They want their reward right away. Yeah. They don't want to wait for it. They don't, they, they don't want me to tell them anything else. They want that treat. Mm-hmm. And so I set them up for success. And I set them up for success and I put them next to me on the side. And when it's time to give them a treat, I keep it really nice and low and I let them bury their nose into it. They don't need to step forward. They don't need to step back. They're at my side. And that's going to help also establishing that boundary of they don't go past you. They don't pass a door um, before you do. They need your permission. You'll notice that your dog has your focus. Mm -hmm. And so he is looking to you and he's almost kind of like Colt does often with me turns around before he goes somewhere and he just looks at me asking for permission, asking for permission for him to go. And I give him a little nod. I tell him, go ahead, whatever it is. And he goes, Mm -hmm. but he is looking back to me because I am his person. I am the alpha. He respects me. He sees me as an alpha because I provide for him. I provide him with food, with water, with shelter, with safety. I am calm. I am cool. I am collected. And so I solve the problems. He doesn't have to take action because he can look to me to make that decision. And he trusts trusts in me. (laughs) He trusts in me to make the correct decision because I have not failed him. I have only proved myself an alpha by providing him. And so it's just a full circle of events here, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people miss out on. Absolutely. They don't have that bond that's that's an alpha bond that's concrete on foundation, on respect and obedience. And so they do spend a lot of time with their dog and they enjoy the time spent, but they find themselves 
cleaning up torn toilet paper all the time or coming home to their baseboards and their carpet chewed up because their dog had an anxiety attack while they were gone. Or just simply, oh, my dog does, you know, doesn't come up to me. It chooses X, Y, and Z. He'll go up to my mom. He'll go up to my dad. He'll go up to my sister. But he doesn't really come when I call him. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, you just need to spend that time building a more uh, more complex bond. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really going to help. Do your research. Find out what kind of dog is going to fit your lifestyle. When you get that dog, immediately get to work. Show them that there's expectations and that there are consequences. And consequences are not always negative. People always associate consequences with negative. But no, it's having your dog understand the consequences of their actions. And when they are respectful and they behave, they get reward. They get extra. Don't over pet your dog. You can frustrate your dog a lot. You're going to frustrate yourself when your dog doesn't leave you alone and is sitting on your face at three in the morning. (laughs) But have the time to teach them boundaries and teach them rules and what you expect of them. And they will want to please you and they will do a great job and you'll find yourself enjoying your day with them as opposed to yelling at them half of the time or getting frustrated because they're pulling you on the lead. Time, patience, um, resetting, being clear and concise, only saying things once, being consistent in consequences, and just being overall loving as well. Obviously, we love our animals. Absolutely. And those are are great words to go by. And, you know, I hope a lot of people do take them to heart. Um, And ultimately, that's that's it for for that part of the show. And um, the next part, we did have a few questions from from our listeners and again people if you want to send us questions please you can uh, either dm us on instagram to get your question featured on the show or you could also email the podcast as well but um just a, you know quick fire questions just mm-hmm. to kind of uh we've already t- touched on some of these um throughout the podcast but um just some quick fire ones here um how do you establish yourself as an alpha oh easy you have to be able to build a bond with your dog. They have to be able to trust you, to trust you too. Again, feed them consistently, love them consistently, and care for them consistently. Absolutely. Um, what is the correct way to fix food aggression? So again, kind of um, correct way. Uh, I have never personally had to handle a food aggressive dog. We did... Um, Me, when I volunteered at um, the shelters in Utah, I saw multiple different programs on how they kind of went about it. But unfortunately, there wasn't really a lot of teachings that went into it. It was more like that fake hand that comes up on the side and they just hope the dog doesn't bite it. Mm -hmm. And so um, experience wise, I don't know what's the best, the correct way. I'm sure there's multiple ways that are very effective. I haven't been able to practice one yet, but get with a professional and make sure that you are doing things as safely as possible. You don't want to, again, set them up for success. Set up for success. Right. Um, So what would be the correct way to reward obedience? Again, we've touched on this a little bit, but Mm. you know, just a quick fire question. Reward is always great. Again, we have food treats. We have hugs. We have kisses. (laughs) There's so many ways that you can reward your dog. If your dog likes it, then that's what you do. And 
you want to make but sure you have to that... be patient with that, right? You can't give it too much because yeah. then they take advantage of, of that. Of course, of course, a balance. Everything is a balance. If you're doing training with your dog, um, obviously don't give them like 50 treats in one one egg you know like yes that's only gonna make them sick they're probably gonna get diarrhea from and all they the get treats, tired of the treats and they get tired of the treats they're not interested uh little nibbles at a time again little nibbles all around is always best when you're doing patience training and that should be done with every single every single activity that there is unless it's even if it's like playing with the ball you still want them to reset calm down come to you sit before you throw the ball again mm-hmm. and so having what they value is that you got to get a high reward item, right? Right. And that doesn't mean food. It doesn't mean treats. Sometimes it is a toy, a ball, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But you want to make sure that when they do the action right away, you want to get it right in that instance. Lots of people have clickers because of this reason, because it's an audible sound from the action that they just did. And basically what you're doing is what you just thought of, what you just did is right. Here you go. Right. And so you have to catch it quick. If your dog does something good, you have to be ready with a treat. And so if you are right. doing training, you must have treats. So be prepared. Be yeah. prepared. And it's, again, whatever type of treat that they want, hugs, kisses, whatever it is. <laughs> but it's right there in that moment. And it's good job. Awesome. Know? Awesome. Um, and then we have uh, another question. Tips to calm down when they don't listen. You know, that's a, that's a big one for a lot of people. So I'm not going to lie. This is one that I struggled with myself. Um, I think people struggle with this more than what the actual issue is because of the fact that they don't understand why their dog won't listen to them in that moment, in that time set, whatever it may be, because to them, they understand what sit means. They understand that obviously we don't run through the trash can and eat things from the garbage. So why would you do that? And it's hard to communicate that to the dog because obviously they're excited. They're happy. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. And so having to communicate that is, it's going to be hard. You guys are not speaking the same language. So it's going to take some time. I'm going to say it again. Patience, right? Mm -hmm. Patience and repetition, patience and consistency, whatever it is, it's always with patience. And so you have to calm yourself down. Yeah. Maybe count to 10, maybe some goose raba, who knows, whatever is going to help you out. Something that I like to do is I will just walk away. Yeah. I just walk away, especially if I can place them in an area like, for instance, like a gated area, a fenced area, their crate, things of that nature. Then I just put them back in their room, close it up and I go clean something, spend some 15 minutes and we'll come back to it. Yeah. And, um... And so again, a hungry dog has more drive. And so if you're finding that you're not um, getting your dog's attention and you're having a harder time, that patience, oh, I stared at this food for 15 minutes and I still haven't been able to eat it. They're definitely going to get a little frustrated, but they will eventually start to calm down. And as soon as they give you just a little bit of calm, you reward that. Yes. And that's how you get it. It's in those moments and it's just as quick as you can get it, as soon as you see it, when they have that thought in their head, you reward them. And they're right. like, oh, I just thought of that or I just did that. And that's what I got rewarded for. Yeah. And so calm yourself down. Make sure you're not uh, transferring that energy over to your dog. If you feel like you're getting really upset, you're getting really frustrated. 
again, maybe look into a professional. It is best for you to work with your dog when doing training as opposed to just dropping them off for somebody else to train them. That bond, that trust, and that respect that they build is going to be for that person, not for you. You have to step in and you have to be able to um, set the expectations and the standard. And again, that goes with you as well and being able to reward them and being patient enough to see it through. Yeah. And um, our last question here. Do dogs go to heaven? Oh, 100%. All dogs go to All heaven. dogs go to heaven, All 100%. Heaven. Any sins and wrongs that they've committed, they go in doggy heaven and they all is forgiven. Good boys can do no wrong. <laughs> Good boys can do no wrong, 100%. And that goes for every other animal too. All animals go to heaven. Absolutely. Well, if you guys have listened for this long, I appreciate you very well, very much, excuse me. Um, and again, keep on listening. We'll have another one for you guys out um, sometime this month or, or next month. Thank you guys so much again for listening to the other podcast. If you haven't already, go to the channel and um, we have the one with an NSA analyst. Or if you want to listen to about football, there's that one as well. But we'll have more in the future. If there's something that you want to talk about or come on to the podcast, please, you know, DM me and we can get together and, and you know, have a nice conversation. But uh, that's it for today's show, guys. And have a good one. Bye. <laughs>